0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and twelve eight a The Zone. Welcome in. Thursday morning, the big game of the night. Great game for UVU. Horrible game for BYU. UVU gets an upset win over number 12 BYU. So that's enormous for UVU. They improve to 7-1. They win in overtime. And they give BYU their first loss. Horrible loss for the Cougars because not only do they lose... Not only do they get beat for the first time this year, but they also lose Gavin Baxter to what Mark Pope says is a season-ending ACL injury. So that is a horrible night at the gym for BYU we'll get more into that coming up in what is trending in one hour right now we're going to get to the football there are two huge conference championship games the Utes in the Pac-12 title game Friday night against Oregon and then Utah State and San Diego State Saturday afternoon in the Mountain West Conference title game Riley Jensen our college football insider talking title games on the zone Riley good morning what's up dudes College football championship games, and we got two teams playing in them. Utes and the Ducks Friday night in Vegas, your Aggies, and the Aztecs Saturday afternoon in Carson. I'm curious, which game... You know we're going to ask you to pick winners in both of them. Which game do you have more confidence in your pick? Where are you looking, thinking, I really know what's going to go down in this game?
1: Ooh, That's a, that's a really good question. I, I So it's
0: very long just, too just
1: trusting my <laughs> trusting my gut or knowing exactly what i'm going to see i feel like I, I feel like i can predict the utah game a little bit easier than i can the utah state san diego state game um, there's just there's there's a couple of just unknowns with utah state depending on like you know how they play, how they throw the ball against this defense, and some of those sort of things. But I feel like I feel like the Oregon Utah game will not be a blowout like it was the first time. It's going to be a very close game, and it's going to come down to the discipline in the special teams and in the run game, which I I still think that favors the Utes. But I think it'll be a much closer uh, opportunity this, this this Friday.
2: Man, I disagree
0: completely, Riley.
1: Which, That's okay.
0: Which Go I'm, ahead. Which I'm prone to do. I, I, right. I, I don't, you're right. you're going to cite Blake Anderson in interviews with us every week. He's told us what the weakness of his team is. Yeah, I think Jose was... State's going to roll. <laughs>
2: and I'm not sure what's going to happen with Oregon. Because I agree with you in that I'm. Sh- I would be shocked if it is such a one-sided domination either way. Uh, I mean, I was, because I was shocked that it was such a one-sided domination two weeks ago in Rice-Eccles. So I don't predict that, but Oregon is a wild card to me. How do you beat Ohio State and lose to Stanford and then get destroyed and embarrassed by Utah? They're all over the map. <clears throat> Where I have to think that San Diego State, has been really good all season.
1: Okay, so look, here's the thing. First of all, now I just got to get this off my chest. Go ahead. Either either Blake Anderson is the best coach in the history of the Mountain West Conference because he only had four players named a first and second team, or Utah State got gypped on how many players should have been actually like you know in the all-conference conversation, and I think the hard part about this game when when you're thinking about Utah State is I think we're all thinking about them at the first of the year.
2: I'm thinking about and them against with Wyoming,
1: <laughs> with the exception of of the Wyoming game, which I can't. Okay. It's almost a bit like Oregon. They're a little bit of they're a little bit of a wild card, right? And so if they play well, and if they if they in every game this year, they have played very good football. And it's time for us to stop looking at them as like this little team with a nice little program up there, because they're in this championship game for a reason. They're in this game for a reason, and they're not going to get rolled on Saturday. Ooh. I totally disagree. With
2: that. Well. I totally disagree Utah is in the championship game for a reason, and San Diego State dominated them at the line of scrimmage.
1: I can't yeah, get that past that. That was early in the year, though. That was early in the year. That was without the quarterback. In the second half of the game, when they had their quarterback, when Cam Rising came in, it was a much different story. And Utah was, was, was still trying to figure out who they were at the first of the season. And I think you know if it was the first of the season, I would totally agree with you on San Diego State and Utah State. But my goodness, like, like when are we going to start looking at at this team as a really good team? We all thought that Matt Wells had really good teams. They never won the Mountain West Mountain Division. They've never no. uh, well, actually won, they won it once. one time. They won it one time, right? And 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 so you you start talking about this team. What Blake Anderson has done has been absolutely unreal. Sure, it there has. they have a game plan for this game, and I don't think, I don't think that San Diego State is that dominant. I know Ooh. they're eleven and one. I know they're ranked in the top twenty-five. I know all those things. I don't think this is going to be a blowout.
2: I'm not saying I it's going to be a blow. Well, I maybe may, may I did. I said rolled. So you did
1: Okay, I take it back. I take it back.
2: I take it back. They were going to roll.
1: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You got me fired up. You can't say I'm going to roll and then say, well, I didn't say they were going to I roll. backed off of that.
2: I'm not perfect. Well, I, back down. I There's only you. two people on the face of the earth who are perfect. John Stockton and we know the other guy. So, come on. <laughs> I backed off of that, all right? John Stockton. <laughs> yeah, ask my brother about that. But, anyway. come, come on. Will, Utah needed time to develop and... Utah State needed time to develop, but San Diego State was a finished product by the second game. I agree. <laughs> Maybe
1: they're tired of being good. Maybe they're tired of being good. Come Maybe on! Utah good.
2: State won the division because they didn't have to play San Diego State in a regular season, okay. and, and Boise did. Come on! So that happened. Yeah, so that happened. But I, that's you taking know? nothing away. Blake Anderson, I thought he got gypped on You're the coach of the year.
1: Away. No, You're I'm not trying to take it. Away. No, I'm not. He did. He, he, he totally, I mean, he must be the best coach ever. San Diego State has seven guys on the first team, and Utah State has four guys on first and second team. Give me a freaking break. What's going on with the Mountain West Conference? You know there's something going on there. They've never really accepted them. It's just like living in the state of Utah, being in the Mountain West Conference. They treat us like this nice little kid. They try and pat us on the forehead, and I'm freaking tired of it. I'm freaking tired of it. They're playing good football, and stop acting like this isn't a good team this is going to get rolled by suck dog steak I'm pissed <laughs> off right now that was
0: unnecessarily personal but thank you for not bringing up Cal Poly S.O.L. <laughs> seriously. seriously like
1: are we just Pat us on the head every time. You know, last time I checked, we strap it up and we play good football and we throw the ball around. And nobody stopped Tompkins yet. Nobody stopped him. And I got a freaking six foot, 230 quarterback throwing for 3,200 yards and 32 touchdowns. And he can't get all conference? Give me a freaking break. He's a first team all whacker. So here's here's the deal. Yeah, you got me fired up and I'm not trying to be personal, DJ, but come on, man. Too late. Come It's too late. Hey, on. It's, too late. It's, to
0: very it's very All personal. It's very personal. Own it. Own it. Own it the way PK owned My the work here is comment. done. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Your coach, the underrated And underappreciated Blake Anderson comes on our show every week and at least three times, possibly four or five, said, if we can get people in space, we can do some things. But, paraphrasing, they do get pushed around. They're not big enough. Sometimes teams are just too physical for them. San Diego State has zero imagination on offense. They're going to hand off. Then they're going to hand off. Then they're going to hand off again. They're going, run, they're going to run, they're going to run, they're going to run, they're going to run some more. They're looking to push you around and bully you and impose their will upon you. And occasionally, right. just to mix it up, to and remind people that don't? the forward pass is legal, yes. they will throw the ball, and then they'll go back to running it. So Blake yeah. Anderson is worried about like that. playing Air Force. It's like playing a Air little, Force. Uh, actually, a little bit. Actually, a little bit. And So get the, ahead of them. They the game ahead of Air Force. They outscored Air Force. They right, played really well against a team like that. Boise State was up by 13 and gave up 24 and answered and lost. So even that might not work. But Fresno State beat the Aztecs by throwing for over 300 yards. You can throw the ball on the Aztecs, and perhaps the Aggie passing attack can match what San Diego State's going to do in the run game. But it's hard to believe San Diego State isn't going to run the ball.
1: No, I I, I... Listen, I didn't, say, I didn't say that San Diego State wasn't going to win, but I, I really think Utah State will stay in toe-to-toe with these guys. It's going to be a close game, and it'll be one of those games where, at the end, either San Diego State scores a touchdown to go up 14, or Utah State comes through with like a three-point win on a last-second drive and wins this thing. But it's not going to be nearly—I mean, they're not going to get rolled. This is this team is good. They're not in this game because they're terrible. And you've let Blake Anderson week in and week out give you the biggest, biggest Lou Holtz impression like we're not very good at this and we don't do that and meanwhile they're 9 and 3. They're 9 and 3. What are like they? Every single team is better than them, right? <laughs>
0: no. Nope. We never said that. No, nobody got, nobody believes New Mexico time. and New Mexico State nope. And South Dakota State are better than Utah State. Just stop at that. And Vegas. Thank you. There were some gimmies built into that schedule. Now, as far as the yeah, Utes, the, as at far
1: as the, the Utes. Of the season, at the beginning of the season, you wouldn't have said that to me. You wouldn't have said that.
2: No, nah, okay, fine. I'll give you that.
1: The,
0: so a wait a minute. At the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have said Utah State is better than New Mexico State? I would, too, have said that.
1: Okay, okay so you New went to one, though. UNLV. You have said New Mexico. Okay,
0: yeah, fine. You wouldn't have said New you, Mexico or Why ULV? not? I called one game last year. They won one game. They pushed New Mexico all over the field. New Mexico's terrible. You, you wouldn't have said they would Listen, have won the division. Not, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not just, I not thought just six you. wins would have been a great year. I would have signed off not on six and it. taken. It. True.
1: Not just you, but all of us thought, like, four wins would be about what we thought. Three wins would be, like, about what we thought. Uh, now you Five or six. six. Yeah. This is a good team. No, five or six, you just said, would have been a good year. I'm talking about what we thought they would be compared to what they are now. They're much better. Yeah, much better. They're a good team, and they're going to play well this weekend.
0: Okay, I'm still going with San Diego State. The point you (laughs) brought up about the Utes, I think, is worth underlining here. That at the start of the year, that defensive line, which Kyle said, hey, they had an injury to an experienced guy. Actually, maybe they had more than one, I can't remember. But the point is, he had to play young guys who weren't ready for the level of physicality. And they got pushed around by BYU, and they did get pushed around by San Diego State. And the offensive line was still blowing assignments and letting guys run untouched and unimpeded into the backfield. But that was then... This is now, is there any reason to think that the Oregon offensive line and defensive line are going to be much better than they were against the UD, O-line, and D-line two weeks ago? Not to the point that you're giving up, you know, punt punt returns and big plays and, you know, it's going to be over at halftime. Nobody's saying that, but if the Ute offensive line is better and the defensive line is better, at some point they will take control of the game and they will win it. So is there any reason to think the Utes are going to lose at the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball?
1: I don't think so. I don't, I don't think enough changes in two weeks, and I don't think – I don't think – I think that game two weeks ago sent a real message to Oregon – it's going to make them feel like they have to play perfect to beat the Utes. And that's that, you know, the, the closer you come to thinking that you have to play perfectly, the, the, the more it evades you. Right. And so I think this team, I think that that did some psychological damage to Oregon. I think the game will be closer because I think they'll play better. I don't think they'll give up a special teams touchdown. I don't think they'll do some of those things. Right. So it'll be a little closer, but I do think that the Utes wear them down at the line of scrimmage and look, this is the time of year where we have to where you have to consider those things and that's why your argument about San Diego State is as much as I was emotional about my Aggies it's very well taken that when you can win the line of scrimmage when it comes to like conference championships when you can win the conference when when it comes to like playoff type football or bowl game type football i mean those teams generally win and you know and 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 i just don't see what Oregon can do in two weeks to really change that. I mean, they can scheme some things. They can try some different things. But Morgan Scalley is a very, very good defensive coordinator. He's going to have a couple of wrinkles for them that they're going to have to adjust to. And I just think offensively, the Utes are just – they're really hard to stop with that run game. And then with Cam Rising, I think the most impressive thing about Cam Rising to me is this, this ability to just take what the defense gives him – and not try to be something that he's not. Now, he is a lot of things. He's a quarterback that can throw. He's a quarterback that can run. But oftentimes when you have a quarterback that can run, he gets confused sometimes because he's trying to prove that he can run or he's trying to prove that he can pass. But he doesn't have that sort of an ego where he's like, well, i got to show people I can run or i got to show people that I can throw. He just says, oh, okay, there's no pressure here. I'm going to throw the ball downfield. Okay, there's a little bit of pressure here. I didn't get to my second read. I'm going to go ahead and beat you with my feet. And because of that natural flow, that organic quarterback play from him, I think he becomes tremendously difficult to stop. And I just don't see how Oregon's going to be able to stop him from moving the ball because he really just takes what the defense gives him. And you have to give up either the run or the pass with Cam Rising, and he'll take what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're giving him. And I, I just love the way he plays. I, I it's like, you know, I, I I think it was DJ all year you've been saying that he has swagger, right? As PK. <laughs> but good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was DJ all year has been saying that he has swagger and so anyway, somebody one of you guys called it early in the year. He does. He has some swagger and it's and it's uh it's a non ego swagger. It's like, hey, I'm I'm just out here to play football and I I don't have to prove to you that I have a big arm. I don't have to prove you that I can run. I'm just gonna throw it where you aren't and I'm gonna I'm gonna run where you aren't and I'm gonna win ball games for the University of Utah. And I, I really like the way he plays quarterback.
2: Well said, I just view him as a playmaker. And whatever the play requires, seems like he's gonna do it. Are you, and are
1: he, you copying what, what DJ said all year? I don't understand. Was it you or was it DJ that said this?
2: I think you're piling on the San Diego State guy right now. And I don't <laughs> mind it.
0: <laughs> but you still have identified what's going on.
2: Yes. I, I, I bought it for a second, got to admit. But then when he went on, I <laughs> yes. realized what he was doing. And it was rather expert that he was doing. The guy's got a future in radio, that's for sure. and uh, And a past, as it turns out. A very good pass. Yeah, he left on top. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I do think the Utes are going to win, but I yep. can't figure out Oregon. I've been able to figure out the Utes. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out why in the world they didn't go with rising in the beginning, and I said it way before – uh, he actually got the job, uh, and I got one right. Good for me. So, uh, so why can't you figure out Oregon? Because they're all over the map. How do you lose to Stanford? Now, I realize that you know it was a close game, and and your coordinator wasn't there. Uh, but
0: the, come on,
2: Stanford but, is atrocious. It's the,
0: it's the king. But this conference is the king of the one offs. Why did the Utes lose to Oregon State? Why did the Ducks lose to Stanford? Because there's one. Unpredictable and, but I can't. Game every fig- year.
2: But I can't. Doesn't mean I can figure it out. Uh-huh
0: okay but the, but the Ohio beat state game Ohio state because you because you can run the ball and you are a physical team but and you that's couldn't run Ohio it against State's State's the Utes. problem
2: and then Oregon State oh or Utah ran it big time against Oregon Oregon State runs the ball really well but Oregon State couldn't run it against Oregon last week. So I, they're all over the place for me. I can't get a handle on them.
0: I don't think they're going to win, but I think we all think that it's going to be a much closer game. It almost has to be. There's so few games that are over at halftime, and that was one of the games that was over at halftime. Just like it was uh, maybe not as much when they played
2: in the title game a couple years ago. The bottom line is I don't believe in Oregon's offense, so I'm going with Utah.
1: Can we just... Like, Listen, I love this argument, and I think this is great, but can we just take a minute to like think about how cool it will be if the University of Utah is playing in the Rose Bowl? If you, On Saturday morning, if you're a Utah fan and you wake up and you're trying to make plans for the Rose Bowl, what a, what a great feeling and what a great
2: accomplishment. Yeah, well, sure. if you're a Ute fan and you wake up and they win, the first thing you're going to do is look for some medication.
0: It's Vegas. If they win, there'll be some Utah fans barely going to bed when the sun goes comes up. It's twenty four hour town built for a twenty four hour celebration. Oh, I'm going to go
1: nuts maybe just, again. Maybe they'll just stay up all night and then yeah. buy their tickets.
0: The amount of
2: ginger ale that I'm going to inhale. Oh.
1: <laughs> I just think it's kind of a cool thing. I think it's a cool thing for the state of Utah. I mean, look, that will make. What three of the four major bowls in in in, in you know in Utah's career? So that you got the Fiesta Bowl, you got the Sugar Bowl. If they go to the Rose Bowl, what do we have? Just the Orange Bowl and a playoff that's left. I mean, they're they're knocking down pins. Yeah, they're knocking down pins
0: one by one.
1: So,
0: Riley I, I has, think as always, I think we cool appreciate thing.
1: it. Thanks, man. I'll uh, talk to you guys
0: soon. All right, there's Riley Jensen, bringing the passion. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach. He's coming up. Dylan Colley, former BYU receiver at 9, but Kyle Whittingham is coming up next. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell, Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet, Holiday Sale in Draper, next to Cowabunga Bay, 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South, Factory Outlet Drive. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There's Riley Jensen coming up next. Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. We are joined now by the head coach of the Utes, Kyle Whittingham, headed back to the conference title game for the third time in four years. Kyle, good morning.
3: Good morning, guys. How you doing?
0: Doing well. You know, the first time, I think congratulations would be in order because you're achieving something new and it's accomplishment. It's hard work and you get there. But I'm wondering if you even want that the third time or the real prizes in front of you. Does it feel different the third
3: time? Well, first of all, I'm proud of our guys for being able to, uh, win the South, which is obviously the first step, uh, to get into that championship game. And without that, you, you know, you can't do it. So, so I thought our guys did a great job this year of, of uh, fighting through uh, a lot of tough situations. And, uh, you know, we're, we're there for the third time, as you mentioned. And, and, uh, we fell short the first two and, you know, our goal from the onset this season has been, the, was to win the PAC 12 title. And so now we've got an opportunity to do that. And so, uh, you know, we're excited to be there, but the, uh, you know, we have unfinished business right now, and so our, our objective, obviously, is to try to go get that trophy
2: like what you said on Monday when you said that, uh, you know, made a bunch of plays in the first game a couple of weeks back, and none of them mean squat going into this game, and obviously they don't, and we all expect Oregon to put on a better effort because clearly you guys just totally dominated them. I- I'm wondering, as you scout somebody in the regular season, you've got a whole body of work that you look for up until that point. Now, as you scout them again, What goes into it as far as what you're looking for? One of the things that impressed me the most was their run defense against Oregon State, which has a great running attack because they basically shut it down. How do you scout them the second time?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, there's not a lot of change. Obviously, they've had, uh, you know, we put uh, our game and the Oregon State game into the uh, breakdown. Whereas, you know, prior to that, we didn't. uh, You know, we just did the previous games of the season. So, so there's not a lot of uh, change, and there won't be a lot of change on our part. I mean, you know, at this point in the year, you are. Uh, the team that you've been all season long, and, and uh, th- at this point, it's more of a, a subtle chess match, I guess you could say. You know, based on what we did in the first game, but based on what they did in the se- in the first game, uh, what what modifications, what what tweaks, what minor changes are you going to make? Uh, you know, based on the scheme you used the first time around, and so that's really the, the key is just to have subtle changes, but uh, the nuts and bolts and the basic schematics uh, don't change much because you know that's just. Uh, A compilation of what you studied for uh, what eight, nine game season. And so, uh, but there will be changes, and, and, uh, you know, we'll see who's able to, uh, you know, make those changes uh, the best.
0: We've seen it out of your team this year. We've seen it out of other teams this year and and in previous seasons where a team isn't good at something and then they, they, they figure it out and they get it. And going forward, it's just different. So I'm wondering, did Oregon figure something out in their passing game because they threw the ball a lot better against Oregon State? Or is that a one-off, the other team makes mistakes, you recognize them and capitalize on it, but it doesn't mean anything down the road?
3: Quarterback Anthony Brown had a terrific game against Oregon State. There's no doubt about it. He was twenty three of twenty-eight, which is you know over eighty percent. He had a bunch of yards. I think it was two hundred and seventy-five yards, uh, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions. But but he's been good all year long. I mean you look at his completion percentage all year long, and it's near sixty-five percent, uh, fifteen to four touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, so he's he's done a nice job for him. He he wasn't as sharp the night we played him, and, and a lot of that's due to you know, Coach Scaley's schemes and, and the disguises we use and things that we did to try to disrupt things, but, but uh, they're a good football team. And, and uh, statistically, there's a lot of similarities offensively between the two teams. You know, our numbers are very similar as far as points per game, yards per game, uh, you know, both rush and throw. And so there's a lot of uh, common ground there. But uh, you know, they just uh, happen to play exceptionally well against Oregon State, and, and uh, you know, that's what got them into this game.
2: One of the things that really, really impresses me with Cam rising, he's got a ton of poise and composure, and you're big on third down conversions, get off the field, stay on the field, whichever side of the ball that you're uh, on, is his ability, like third and medium, third and long, where it looks like it's a passing play, he's back there, Somehow he scrambles. He's not Mike Vick, Steve Young, but it's like first down almost all the time. He did it early in the Oregon game. Might have been on the first drive twice to extend drives that end up in touchdowns. I've really been impressed with his ability to pick up that first down as a coaching staff. How do you and Andy teach that?
3: First of all, the majority of it's just instinct and, and overall athletic ability. And, and Cam, I can tell you right now, is a lot faster than uh, than what people think. And and uh, he's a guy you, know, you saw him outrun the uh, the Thibodeau kid on the on the scramble you were talking about early in the game. And and he's done that all year long for us, as far as moving the change in, in critical situations and and uh, making big first downs for us and, and getting out of jams. And and that's really what you you know a quarterback that can do that is invaluable. And that's you know you don't have to have a tr- a true dual threat quarterback. But if you've got a guy that can extend the play and, and, get, and has great pocket presence and can get himself out of out of uh, situations and avoid sacks and turn those what would be a sack into a, a first down, I mean, that, that can make all the difference in the world in the game. And Cam's done that for us all season long, as you mentioned. And that, that's something that's uh, just in his skill set and when something that makes him a, an outstanding quarterback.
0: Nick Ford had a hilarious bite earlier this year where he told us that when he first saw Cam run, he didn't realize how – how fast he was, what he realized was that he ran funny. And Nick said it much much more entertaining than I just did, but it's hilarious the way he said it. And I'm curious, you know, there's some guys, you just see them and, and they look fast but there are other guys who are fast and I've actually heard other players say I'm as fast as I need to be that guy's not catching me how do you how do you judge that on film or in person and know you're getting that or how often are you surprised when you realize wow we wanted him and we recruited him and we still didn't know
3: what we had yeah well first well, there is a, oftentimes a difference between game speed and, and what a kid runs a forty-yard dash in. Some some guys just play faster than their forty-yard time, and that's that's a common. You know, whatever position you play, but uh, Cam, uh, you know, he doesn't look funny running to me. I mean, he, he looks pretty athletic, and and uh, you know, he's got a, a great sense of uh, uh, angles, spatial awareness, I guess you could say, where he knows how to how to uh, just run and split color is the is the term you use on offense. You run away from color you split color when you're running the football and and he has that uh, ability to do that and and like i said he's made gosh uh, at least a dozen and, and probably several more big first downs for us this year to keep drives alive and and uh that's uh you know you just don't want to this day and age of football you don't want a statue back there you can't you can't unless you're better at every other position the other 10 positions you better have a quarterback to move around a little bit One of the
2: hallmarks, if not the hallmark, of your program for so many years is consistency. We know exactly, all of us now, since we've listened to you all this time, we know what you're going to say to virtually every question and what your answer is going to be. And we know if somebody says, oh, it's a big game, are you going to do anything different? No! You practically shout at them, you know, we do the same thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've gotten it drilled in my head, you know, the uh, most important stat out of the final score is the turnover margin, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, you're just a model of consistency for many, many years, and it's worked so well. Well, here's one thing that hasn't been consistent this year, and I can't figure it out, and that's your special teams. It's like it's been all over the map. Uh, What am I going to expect Friday night?
3: Yeah, you're, well, you're exactly right. You're 100% right. We've had uh, some major breakdowns with special teams and really with our coverage units. You know, it's been the kickoff coverage and the punt coverage. Uh, punt return has been rock solid all year long. In fact, I believe Britt has more yards amassed in the punt return game than anybody in the country. And uh, kickoff return, when we have uh, got returns underway, they've been pretty decent now. In kickoff return with the rule being that you get the ball at the 25, it's really your starting position after kickoff that, uh, that really matters not uh, not your kickoff return average and so our starting position after uh, you know when when teams kickoff to us is pretty good it's it's uh, you know it's in the upper half of the of the uh, nation and then uh, you look at the coverage units and they've been uh, just abysmal I mean we've allow- allowed three uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns which is uh, you know I, I, I don't think that's ever happened to us here and then uh, three block punts and so we've certainly had our struggles um, you know we've worked hard at it and, and I think our kick- Kickoff return or our kickoff coverage unit was making good progress since the uh, you know since we gave up the the early touchdowns and it had gotten better each week until last week when we uh, let that one out the gate and that one was actually covered pretty darn good. We had three guys that had a chance to tackle the guy we just missed them all missed the tackles and and uh, he went the distance and then punt. Uh, you know we haven't punted a lot this year, which is a positive. We had we've probably punted less this year than we have in you know uh, many previous years, but but uh, we had some breakdowns in protection early on and, and we weren't quite as quick getting the ball out as we needed to and so we've uh, we've worked hard at that as well but but you're right you know there really is uh, you know special teams has been a very inconsistent part of our game and and where it's usually a strength of ours just hasn't been the case this year
0: well coach we appreciate the time this morning thanks for talking a little football and good luck in the pac-12 title game obviously we will all be watching
3: Okay, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: There's Ute head coach Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, former BYU wide receiver Dylan Cauley makes his picks for the Pac-12 title game and the Mountain West Conference title game. And where should BYU go bowling? We'll talk with Dylan Cauley next. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner, Smart Rain, has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Doing well. I want you to pick both the Pac-12 and the Mountain West Conference title games, because obviously the Utes and the Aggies, and there's a lot of local interest in those, and I know the Collies are football junkies, so you're following all football all the time. And I will let you go ahead and pick the one that you find the easiest to pick, because you're the most confident in the choice to win the game. Who would that be?
4: Um, I would probably say Utah State, in terms of just confidence flat out. Right, which game can I pick and say this is the one I feel best about? Um, definitely the Utah State game, but uh, on the side of that, right? Uh, I mean, if we look back at Cam Rising's first game as a starter for the Utah youth, uh, I believe I had said that you know the University of Utah was in a great position to run the table and win out, uh, and they've done that thus far. I would not mind. Being right again, and uh, them winning out and winning the Pac-12. Well.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I I can see that as far as that goes. Uh, I, the, the thing I'm a little bit nervous for Utah because I don't know that they could play better, and I know that Oregon can play a lot better. Obviously, the thing that would. Uh, concern me from the Oregon perspective is do I need Utah to repeat that performance in order to beat the Ducks? And my answer is I probably don't. I don't think they need to be that good. So I'm sort of on that plane of thinking that the Utes won't match it, but they probably don't need to match it, but somehow if Oregon can summon its best game of the season, I think they would have a shot too. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of
4: the big things that you know comes into play right in this game is where this game used to be uh, in an environment right in California where there weren't many fans that ever came uh, and an outdoor venue right uh, nice and this game, you're playing indoors against an extremely fast team like the Oregon Ducks and, and like you're saying right very difficult to sit here and say that Oregon's going to come out and play as poorly as they did last time so um, I think that's where the lack of confidence is in the flat out saying that I, I think the Utes are going to win is, is you know those types of uh, circumstances
0: but the team that dominates the line of scrimmage usually wins the game so you figure the Utes are going to dominate the line of scrimmage maybe not as thoroughly and completely as they did the first time but still playing enough to win the game
4: yeah yeah absolutely
0: So can uh, Utah State throw the ball on San Diego State the way the Utes did when they switched quarterbacks and the way Fresno did when they threw for 300 yards and gave the Aztecs their only loss? Or the Aztecs run the ball, dominate the line of scrimmage so they win the game?
4: I think that Utah State's ability to play over the top, right, in a game like a championship environment, um, where Utah State, or San Diego State, San Diego State has, obviously an extremely disciplined defense, but they do show a lot of holes consistently, especially when it comes to special teams, right? Um, Especially when it comes to the kind of lack of speed around the perimeter. Whereas because of, you know, Anderson's offense, you're seeing a lot of speed and a lot of gaps on the outside, uh, where that, that box that's normally so important to San Diego state really doesn't, uh, doesn't become it's a, it's a non-factor
2: so you were on that BYU team was it the second one that went 7-6 when you were a senior
4: uh I, yeah yeah so yeah. yeah yeah.
2: so I'm wondering did you have any inclination of what was about to happen the next two years
4: two years uh yes I, I believe in the last four games of the season my senior year we saw a huge shift in the way um, in the way that the assistants you know were made up and the way that they played a role in the offense. Um, you know what we did when Zach first stepped into the role to kind of accommodate the offense, to what was going to fit his style of play, right? We went away from the longer play calls, the in-huddle play calls, we went to straight signals um, and you know, there was just a much, much faster uh, offense being played um, and I credit that a lot to A-Rod and Yeah. Yeah, um, And so you kind of see the culture changing in that way. You knew we had the right guys in the right places and you knew that Kalani wanted to do what was best for the program on both a player side and the football side. And so I knew coming into it, and we go back to what my experience was personally, right? It's not like I had an outstanding year. Um, but I knew that, you know, if I could come in and make an impact on the culture and uh, help elevate that, then, you know, they'd have the talent for the next few years to be able to, to, to change the tide.
0: So, we've had this uh, big debate, and there's plenty of people wondering what the heck's going to happen with BYU in a bowl game. Uh, BYU planting the flag in a state they rarely go to, Louisiana, playing in the Independence Bowl against 11-1 UTSA, or BYU going back to familiar stomping grounds where there's lots of fans and lots of potential recruits and playing in a game in Arizona. Obviously, you take a New Year's Six if it falls your way. I don't think it will, but if it does, you grab it. Uh, what, What would you lobby for? What do you value?
4: Yeah, obviously you want that New Year 6. I mean, I think that's what everybody wants, right? And that makes the most sense in terms of desires. But, um, you know, I think we've talked about this before. You've, you've put your resume out there for the last two years. People know you're legit. People know you're real. Um, and you continue to use this as another year of building and another year to say, okay, what does next season look like? Um, and you can only control so much, right? (laughs) They don't have a ton of control right now. And so, uh, you take what you can and that's, Hey, we have a lot of players that are coming back on both sides of the ball that should be healthy, right? We're not going to go into USC playing with guys that, you know, they play great, but I don't even know the names of, uh, and so, you know, you look at what the 2022 season is going to bring and, you know, I don't necessarily like to look ahead, but, no matter the bowl game, uh, it's been a phenomenal season, and what's going to come next year is, is going to be game
0: changing. Wanted to
2: hit you up on this idea of these coaches leaving like they do, and you know we're all for bettering yourself, and I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you. But particularly in the Brian Kelly situation, when you're potentially on the verge of a playoff bid, you need a couple things to happen. But you know who knows if they happen or don't happen. Um, but as far as them. It's general not to really pick on anybody, but it's general across the business of them demanding such uh, uh, focus and commitment and then they don't even see the season through. I just have a little problem with that.
4: Yeah. I mean, um, this is coming from a guy who transferred twice, right? (laughs) Um, The level of you know, and I, and I even look at the regret that I have. Right. And as I sit here three years later and knowing that I did leave BYU once and then came back to BYU after being at Hawaii and loving Hawaii so much, um, you know, the level of commitment that I stood for at that time, uh, was probably a little more immature than it was forward thinking. um, and I look at what coaches are doing now. I look at what the transfer portal looks like. I mean, the coaches almost seem like they're just following the, the scent of the players, right? Like yeah. They just jump and go, like it's nobody's business. And for what Brian Kelly did yesterday morning to enter into a, a, a team meeting after your team found out about you leaving schools, right, to require a 7 a.m. team meeting and you go in there for less than two minutes and don't take a single question and leave is, you know, quite possibly one of the most immature and asinine things I've, uh, I've heard from a coach. Um, and unfortunately I think it stands pretty par with the way he handled a lot of things. Um, but you know, these are all, these are all still people, right? And, and the goal is to chase the bag ultimately. Uh, and if they're going to make more money somewhere else, then, Chances are they're going to take it. Um, and so there's a limit to how good of people can be and, and how good the money is. And, and in an industry like football, it's, it's hard, to, hard to compete with that.
0: So as much as I want to crush Brian Kelly, and I definitely do, he's not the first coach to lead before a bowl game. That bridge has been crossed many times. But to lead when the, yep. the playoff is still realistic. It's shocking, but as much as I want to jump on him, and just to use your words, let's go with immature, I'm seeing coaches fired at multiple big-time schools two years after winning it all and going undefeated. So if immature is the word, don't we have to apply it to some school presidents and some football powers? Because Auburn's done it. LSU has done it. I might be leaving somebody out.
4: Yeah, no, no, no question. That's what I'm saying. As an industry like football, right, where... I think, you know, uh, across the board, understanding the circumstances and understanding what football has writing on it to each and every school, right? Without the football program at the University of Hawaii, right, I, like the school doesn't stand. So you have to understand that, that the, the football team is the most important piece of revenue and in a lot of these 130 division one football schools football is what matters to their growth right and it's what matters to the president's money and what matters to the president's bag and so each of these decisions are going to be based off of business decisions especially when it comes to president you want to talk about just not even uh i don't even think the maturity applies to it right Because it's not even more so a personal decision as much as it is them thinking it's the right business decision. And that's why we only have a certain amount of companies that, you know, are flourishing in the world because people make bad business decisions. And that's the difference between a Fortune 500 company and a bottom tier company. And so you look at decisions being made off impulse and thinking, hey, oh, this is two years. It hasn't changed. Okay, well, you're fired. You know, people need time. Coaches need time to come and implement their recruits and their, and their culture and, and help develop uh, environments that are winning environments. And yeah, sometimes coaches maybe just don't have that ability as head coaches, but ultimately what you're looking at in those types of rash decisions is bad business decisions. <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. a big part of it to me, I think.
2: Uh, Jaron Hall's let it slip a little bit that he's uh, thinking about the NFL at least to one degree or another, and he's got a business decision if he thinks he's an NFL guy. I mean, you made the statement that was very bold at the time coming off, I think, Wilson's freshman year of how good he would be and ended up being right. Uh, Do you think he's an NFL quarterback?
4: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think he is an NFL quarterback. We go back to kind of what the expectation was for Jaron coming into the season. we had this conversation at the beginning of the season. It wasn't that, Hey, Jaron's going to come in and be the same guy that Zach Wilson was, right? Jaron has a very similar potential to what Zach has. The difference is being time, right? Because of the mission. And so Jaron just hasn't hit that potential as fast as Zach did because of that circumstance. And so, You know, Jaron is a Jaron is an NFL quarterback, right? He's an NFL talent. Um, Me personally, right? For him, I would say, hey, let's wait one more year. Let's continue to develop, right? You know, from a business side, we're not even looking at, hey, let's go take another run at the NY Six Bulls. More so, let's get another shot, you know, physically to kind of reach that potential a little bit closer prior to actually entering into the NFL and and having teams may feel like it's a risk uh, in terms of time.
0: So NFL quarterback, that's a wide range also. You know, there's, uh, there's roster mm-hmm. guys. There's trusted backups. I think that's another level. Uh, there's uh, starters. There's, team, there's guys who can start. There's guys who can start, and you look at and think, mm, he's starting, they're going to be a playoff team. And then there's the guys who are just a perennial Super Bowl contenders and probably Hall of Famers. So there's all those levels. Is it too early to project him into any one of those levels? Because we've seen BYU quarterbacks go to each one of those levels over time.
4: Absolutely. I think it is too early. If I had to put a stamp on it, and what I would be perfectly happy with, right, is if you're able to bring Jaron Hall into your program and have him be a, you know, not even a franchise guy, right, but if you have Jaron Hall in your program, your football team is going to be better for it culturally, right, the work ethic, he's going to, like, his ability and the effect that he has on other people is like awe-inspiring, right? And so, you know, if he collects a check and collects a bag for six, seven years, uh, and maybe, you know, is more of just, hey, I'm here to get better and I'm making this team better, uh, I'd call that a win. Um, But obviously, like I said, he's got the potential to be be an NFL starter, Um, but that's, that's, that's unknown because you don't truly understand what his potential is at this point.
0: Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan, we appreciate it, as always. Thanks a lot. See you, fellas. There's Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, BYU losing a game and losing a player to apparently a season-ending injury. Stay with us.